What's up, everybody? It is officially episode three of Reteaching the Game. It is officially NBA All-Star Weekend, and I have, for 30 years, long officially been Ethan Noroff. Thrilled to have you here, whether it's your first episode, your second episode, or if you've been with us from the beginning, and this is episode number three, like it is for me. Couldn't be happier to have everyone here with me. And the big news that we are here to talk about is Anthony Davis getting real. Anthony Davis, what a gift he gave us during All-Star Weekend to talk about his trade request and whether or not his destination list was true, which he wound up confirming. And we'll get into that. That is going to be the main focus of this episode. Because Anthony Davis said that not only was that true, but Anthony Davis also said that the Celtics, quote, they are on my list, end quote. Bombshell, right? Danny Ainge kicked his feet up, grabbed a Diet Pepsi or whatever his drink of choice might be. I realize not everyone is Stan Van Gundy. And he smiled from ear to ear today when that quote hit the wire. Now, Anthony Davis walked that back a little bit during an appearance on NBA TV where he said all 29 teams were on his list. But if you're the Celtics, of course you're feeling good. I mean, you were feeling good when Anthony Davis didn't get traded by the trade deadline. But now you've got to be feeling really good if you're the Celtics. All right, so there are five main teams that we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the Lakers, the Celtics, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Bucks, And what all of these teams could potentially offer up in an Anthony Davis deal. We'll get into that. We'll get into Dell Demps, former Pelicans GM, fired this week. Danny Ferry serving in the interim role. We'll definitely get into what contributed to Demps' dismissal. And then, of course, to end out the episode, we've got to give you a TED Talk for NBA All-Star Weekend. And don't worry, this one will have direct ties to the athletic world. So stick around for that. All right, let's get started. All right, Anthony Davis. What a, what a morning it was to wake up to. You guys got to remember, I'm based on the West Coast. So when I say I woke up to this news, I don't want anyone to think I was laying around until noon, okay? I'm on a teacher schedule. Let's get real here. So wake up to this wonderful Woj Twitter notification. If you don't have Woj directly to your phone, you are not doing this right as an NBA fan. Okay? Turn on those mobile notifications for Woj. Now, I got it on for a bunch of guys. We won't talk about that. That'll bore half of you, if not more. But for those really important, big news breakers, Woj, Shams, Mark Stein, if that's your cup of tea, make sure that you know first. Be the newsbreaker. Be the information collector. It's a good role to play. My friends definitely appreciate that from my perspective. Creates good conversation. That's what it's about. Right? We have lifelong friends. We go years without talking to them. Don't do that. Appreciate the people in your life. People you care about, let them know. That stuff's important. Okay, remember, we're going to talk about life on here. Basketball as a perspective piece. Life through the lens of basketball. That's what we're here to do. 
right? These are real decisions that impact real people, real families, real jobs, all that stuff, right? This is the real world. As much as, as it is a fantasy for some of us to sit here and construct our own machinations about what we think should happen, it's an interesting psychology to get into, right? We won't, we won't dive down that alley for today, but just something to think about, okay? And so when the Lakers failed to trade for Anthony Davis at the trade deadline, it brought up a whole new discussion, right? It was the Lakers are bust at the trade deadline. I think that much was clear. But then it brought up a whole new discussion because now you've got a mix of, according to Anthony Davis, 29 teams. But I think realistically it's five clubs. You got to remember, Anthony Davis is a free agent. Not this summer, but next in 2020. And so I can't imagine a team that doesn't think Anthony Davis will re-sign with them gives up the kind of package the Pelicans are looking for in a deal this summer. But that question about what type of package the Pelicans are pursuing, that's a very real question. And I think some people are assuming where they shouldn't make assumptions. And let me clarify what I mean by that. Do the Pelicans in an Anthony Davis trade want optionality or do they want certainty? Right? New Orleans, you can't imagine, is going to be an attractive free agent destination over the next several years following the Davis departure. Of course, Drew Holiday is still under contract. And Holiday is a heck of a player. One of the more underrated, true stars in this league. But I don't think he's a free agent draw the way Anthony Davis is a free agent draw. That's pretty easy to say. Okay? So do the Pelicans want optionality to build something completely new? Or do the Pelicans want some certainty and or some cost certainty as they continue their rebuild in the post-Anthony Davis era? And all of the teams that are in on AD, they offer something different. All of them. And we'll get into that. We'll get into the best trade assets for those teams and what the Pelicans could fetch. But I think that's a real question. And that really hasn't been spoken to. I'm surprised that nobody who who talks to the Pelicans on a daily basis is around that team has asked that question. Now, whether or not it's answered, and if it is, whether it's answered truthfully, it's a different discussion. But ask the question, right? What are the Pelicans seeking in a Davis deal? What are their priorities? I think when organizations communicate to the fans, and if they're even through the grains of salt, fans appreciate that because then they feel like they understand the vision. They may not agree with that particular vision, but at least they understand it. And as we talked about on the intro episode, people want to understand why you are making certain decisions, not just what you're doing, Right? Think about what a really effective coach does. A really effective coach doesn't just stand there and say, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. They explain why. Why we're trying it. Why it works. Why it doesn't work. The why is a critical component of this. And so for Pelicans fans, of course it's easy to understand why they're upset with the Pelicans. 
specifically the front office. And that Demp's dismissal a week after the trade deadline? And I said this on Twitter at the time. It speaks to a lack of long-term vision. And that lack of long-term vision, was it's been a major driving force behind Anthony Davis wanting out. So if you're going to sit there and critique Anthony Davis for wanting out, maybe just consider a different perspective. Now, there are things along the way that the Pelicans really set themselves up for in terms of this situation becoming so predictable. Right? Dell Demps, and we're, we're talking about going back to 2012 with this particular move. Dell Demps matching the Eric Gordon contract, four years, 58 million. Ugh. Right? That's sort of the reaction it prompts. Okay, and it's not really a knock on Eric Gordon. But at that time, for that team, not a good investment, right? Not a good investment. Trading a first-round pick for Omer Ashik, then combining to spend approximately $80 million between him and Alexis Ajanka? Come on, man. And I know money was just getting printed in the NBA that summer, that summer but come on, man. Let's get real with that. Right? These are real moves that contributed to the downfall and to Anthony Davis eventually wanting this particular scenario to unfold in terms of his trade request. Solomon Hill, four years, 52 million. Oh, man. That's brutal. That is brutal. And so the fact that the Pelicans decide now is the time to replace Demps it's odd, but it's not a surprise, right? The timing's odd, but it's not a surprise. Mickey Loomis has been executive vice president of basketball operations for a while now, although he says he's really not that involved, and I tend to believe him. But if you're going to fire somebody, obviously Demps is easier to get rid of, right? If you feel like that's a change that needs to be made. I will say that Demps... Right? This whole conversation is different if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't tear his Achilles. We can't get caught up in the what-ifs of the world. But that's a major thing here. Because if Cousins doesn't go down, and he and Anthony Davis continue to play they, the way that they were playing before that injury, we're talking about the Pelicans in a totally different light. And this trade request may not even be a thing right now. That also makes Buddy Heald's emergence in Sacramento this season look that much worse for the Pelicans when in reality that price that they paid for Cousins, you know, might be a little rich for some people, but it wasn't exactly critiqued as too much at the time. And I still don't think it was a bad deal. It worked out poorly, but the process wasn't bad. The result has been not ideal. Those are two different things. So that's something to consider as well. It's a tough road moving forward for the Pelicans because there are pluses and minuses, positives and negatives of optionality or certainty. Demps didn't help himself by being so what felt like behind the scenes, both with fans and in terms of his literal physical appearance, right? We never really heard from him much. So moving forward, 
the Pelicans have to decide what their direction is going to be if they don't already have one. It seems like Gail Benson wants a president of basketball operations. Danny Ferry's in there for now. But if it's a just for now thing, what types of decisions do you want him making that will influence your future? If it's more long-term, by all means. But that's part of the problem when you have interim situations. And I realize why they're necessary sometimes, but it just is a complicating variable in the overall mix. The good news is the Pelicans can't execute an Anthony Davis trade until a later period of time. Obviously, right? The trade deadline has passed. So there will be a lot of conversation about what makes the most sense. But of the five teams that we talked about specifically, Celtics, Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, and Bucks, they all offer something very different. And so we're going to get into what each of those teams is going to offer. Obviously, we have to start with the Lakers. Part of that is because if you've listened to this or if you just generally know anything about me, you know I'm a Lakers guy. But that's the team that was most closely linked to Anthony Davis before this trade deadline passed. So we're going to start there. Their best assets, the Lakers' best assets include their own first-round picks, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram. If you trade all of those guys, plus a pick or two or three for Anthony Davis, you have AD in his prime. You have LeBron in his mid-30s. That's going to attract a lot of guys on lesser deals. But the Western Conference is so good, is that enough? The Lakers will have cap space to sign a third player. Let's just play it out and say that player is somebody like Clay Thompson. I don't think Clay Thompson is leaving Golden State. But let's just say you have LeBron, you have AD, and you have Clay. Is that enough in that conference with really how good it is? If it's just minimum deals, exception deals around them? It might be a big bet to make, especially with LeBron going into his mid to late 30s. From the Pelican side, what are the value of those first round picks going to be? Low, you would think. Brandon Ingram is due for restricted free agency, not this summer, but next in 2020. So you'd only have a year before you got to decide what to pay him. Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart are all due up the summer after that. If Ingram gets an $80 million extension and Kuzma gets something like that as well, and Lonzo Ball maybe gets the Marcus Smart deal, you're talking about over $200 million on those players, let alone Josh Hart and what he becomes. That's a hard reality. Because if you're the Pelicans, that's not good enough to compete in the Western Conference. It might be if you eventually supplement it with more. Drew Holiday is obviously there. But you need more than that. 
So that's tough, especially with some of these other entrants in the mix. The Tobias Harris trade, the Clippers sending him to Philadelphia, no one saw that coming. That was seemingly out of nowhere, right? My first reaction to that deal wasn't really about the Sixers adding a fourth star. Yes, Tobias Harris is a star. Just watch him. He might not be a household name, but that's why we watch, right? To recognize talent, Tobias Harris is a star. My first reaction to that deal was the Clippers had just pulled up a seat at the Anthony Davis trade table. It's not even a question, right? Not only are the Clippers on AD's initial list that came out before he confirmed it, but now they've got a number of assets. And if the Pelicans want optionality, the Clippers and the Celtics would be the two best teams to offer that in terms of sheer optionality. If the Pelicans want certainty, the Lakers are a little bit more appealing in that regard. I should say a lot more appealing, honestly. But if you're the Clippers, you have a 2021st via Philadelphia that's lottery protected. You have a 2021 unprotected first via Miami, huge asset. You have SGA on a rookie deal, not a restricted free agent until 2023. You have Lou Williams, who's making $8 million annually through 2021. He could be traded again for additional assets. You have Jerome Robinson on a rookie deal, restricted free agent in 2023. And Danilo Gallinari on an expiring deal. Not to mention the Clippers also have their own first round pick. So if the Pelicans want optionality... The Clippers offer a lot of that. Imagine the Clippers signing Kawhi Leonard and pairing him with Anthony Davis. Hello? We like that, right? It's sort of crazy that Doc Rivers got himself traded. Yes, remember, he was traded as a coach because he wanted to avoid a rebuilding situation. Because now, for the last at least two years, that's basically what he's found himself doing. And he's enjoying it. I think the fact that he doesn't have to split his attention between the front office and coaching has really helped him. Clippers are a fascinating situation. Cap space, lots of assets in the, in the form of future picks. Expiring Gallo deal. Lou Will on a bargain deal. And SGA who looks like the real deal. Clippers are an interesting team to talk about with Anthony Davis. Don't sleep on them. Okay, we're going to save the Celtics for last, obviously. The dramatic reveal, especially since they were specifically added today. We started with the Lakers and Clippers. The LA connection. The Lakers connection, for me. But I think those two teams beyond the Celtics offer the two most realistic landing spots. The Knicks and the Bucks, I feel like they're a bit more far-fetched. I thought that if the Knicks were going to trade Porzingis, which obviously they wound up doing, that their conversations with the Pelicans would have been a little bit more in-depth than what it felt like it was. And the, But maybe the Pelicans didn't want to take that gamble on Porzingis' health and having to pay him. And I get that. It makes sense, right? 
but what a blockbuster that would have been, right? That's a fun one to think about. I just don't think the Knicks are a realistic spot because even though they got those two future first round picks from Dallas, one of which is unprotected and the other is one through 10 protected. Of course, that assumes that that whole pick situation with Atlanta, that the Mavericks uh, convey that pick. So it's a little bit more complicated than that. But even though they have those two picks that they could throw into a deal, what else can they really offer? Besides their own first round pick, Mitchell Robinson might be their most appealing asset on the roster in terms of a trade, honestly, especially because he's not hitting free agency until 2023. Granted, he's unrestricted at that point. But that's your best tangible asset when you've got two lottery, three lottery picks as well. Frank Natilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox. Mitchell Robinson might be your best bet in a trade right now. That is a statement. But those are the players that they have to offer outside of picks. I can't imagine the Pelicans being tremendously interested in any one of those guys, especially with Natilakina and DSJ due for uh, restricted free agency the same season, 2021. So I don't feel like the Knicks are really in the equation, despite being on the list. The Bucks are so fun to talk about because just could you imagine Giannis AD and assuming the Bucks re-sign Chris Middleton with Chris Middleton? Wow. Would love to see Giannis and AD play together. But the Bucks already owe their 29 first round pick to Phoenix. It's one through three protected, 17 through 30 protected. So it's likely to convey in 2020 when it's one through seven protected. Okay, they already owe their 2021st to Cleveland, but that's lottery protected. And it's more likely to convey in 2022 with one through 10 protection. So they've already traded away a couple of assets there. In terms of players, the Bucks really have nothing to offer. Their best tradable asset is George Hill because only $1 million of his $18 million salary for next season is actually guaranteed. But George Hill is not bringing back Anthony Davis. Obviously, right? Even in a video game where the code to override trades was turned on, I feel like the video game would just shut off. That's such garbage. So now we're at the Celtics, okay? The Celtics can unload the chest. And I think that's what Danny Ainge intends to do here. But there's a scenario where he doesn't, and we'll get into that in just a second. But the Celtics have a 29 first round pick from the Clippers, lottery protected. They have a 2019 first from Memphis, one through eight protected, that could eventually become unprotected. They have a 2019 first via Sacramento or Philadelphia, whatever's more favorable. They have their own first round pick. They have Jalen Brown, who's a restricted free agent in 2020. They have Jason Tatum, who's a restricted free agent in 2021. I can't imagine the Pelicans are taking back Gordon Hayward's money in this deal. Probably rather have Marcus Smart than Gordon Hayward if you're going to take back money like that. Right? But the Celtics also offer a lot of optionality with some certainty. And maybe the Pelicans want both. Maybe they can say, hey, we have all this optionality with the picks. And now we also have some certainty with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum 
but we also have optionality because we could move on from them if we chose to do so. Now, here's the other side of the coin. It comes to the summer. Everybody's bidding. But the Lakers decide that they'd rather sign a big free agent and they'd rather go another direction. Perhaps they feel the necessity to do that. Perhaps the Clippers also pursue another direction. The Knicks and Bucks aren't really in the mix. And so the Celtics are sitting there and yes, of course, they could put the best offer on the table. But will Danny Ainge even put in Jason Tatum at that point? Could he say Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and three first-round picks? Would that still be the best offer on the table? That's the downside if you're the Pelicans. That's why there was some pressure to potentially get a deal done with the Lakers prior to the deadline. The market is volatile. There is no certainty. You can project, you can predict, but the reality is not the reality until it is the reality. Say that five times fast. So this is all about AD. It's amazing how superstars control the NBA. But I mean that in the best possible way. I'm not this get-off-my-lawn, crotchety old guy sitting here saying... Oh, man, superstars control the league. What a bad league as a result. That same guy watches the NFL and cheers. Explain how that works to me. That's my own personal vendetta against that crowd, right? So we'll see what AD winds up bringing. Optionality, certainty, or maybe a combination of both. Before we get out of here and we wrap it up for this episode, episode number three of Reteaching the Game, I want to remind you guys, you can follow me on Twitter, just my name, head on over to twitter.com, Ethan, E-T-H-A-N underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F. The TED Talk I want to leave you guys with is from 2014, Chris Cluey. And if that name sounds familiar, perhaps it is because you watch football, or at least you used to. He was a punter in the NFL. This particular TED Talk is is entitled, How Augmented Reality Will Change Sports and Build Empathy. Now, I don't necessarily love the presentation, but I love the message, and I think it paints a very vivid picture. We need to be more understanding that athletes are humans that go through real things. Their lives are very public. Their salaries are very public. And for a lot of people, that drives the empathy down because they don't feel as bad for somebody making millions of dollars, especially if they're in a position of financial struggle. But the reality is money doesn't solve everything. It definitely helps. It definitely helps. But if you're a tired parent, Right? If you've got a sick family member, if you're struggling with your mental health, you can't throw money at those problems all the time. It doesn't work like that. So it's just a perspective to consider. These people who live their lives on a very public stage, let's give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Let's remember they're human beings. 
Anthony Davis has been called the enemy by a lot of publications. Who is he to demand a trade with 18 months left on his contract? And everyone saying the Pelicans don't owe him anything? You're right, they don't. But Anthony Davis is making a decision for himself. We've all been in situations where we feel like we have to make a decision for ourselves that may upset some people. This is just a very public one. Make sure you give the TED Talk a watch. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be back with you guys for episode number four.